Bibles tonight, if you would please, to Ephesians chapter number 4. I've lost track of the number of messages we've brought so far in this series. Seven? All right. And Brother Ron posts those every week on the website, so he's got them up to date there. Uh, The theme of the chapter is found in verse number 1 where it says, Walk worthy. Walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called. Well, tonight we... We begin in verse 26 and just going to look at two verses, verse 26 and 27. The title of the message is How to Be Good and Angry, Good and Mad. We seldom use those two words together, but I think you'll understand why before we're through. Verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And neither give place to the devil. Well, here is a command that is sandwiched in between commands. One, regarding lying that we talked about last week. And the other has to do with the father of lies, Satan. And so, right in between those two subjects, he speaks about anger And it's easy to see how all three of these relate one to another. And it's easy to see that anger is a big problem in our world today because we see evidence of it nearly every day, whether it's one of the incidents of road rage or uh, domestic violence or whatever it is, over and over again we're brought face to face with the fact that... uh, that we don't handle anger very well. It's a very dangerous thing. Uh, you know, it's hard to break old habits like honking at somebody that's doing something wrong on the highway. And I think about the young woman that just this last week was shot as a result of just honking her horn at someone. The next thing you know, they pull up alongside of her and shoot her. So anger can be a terrible thing. And to think about the person that loses their anger and in a moment of rage doing something so foolish as shooting another person and now spend a, a, you know, a good portion of your life in prison somewhere all because you could not or would not control your anger for a few moments. So... Uh, This is literally the first step toward murder, according to what uh, Jesus said. And so whenever we become angry and we begin to lose control, uh, we're just right on the doorstep of literally taking someone's life. And uh, sometimes it gets the best of the best people. And every time I think about that, I think about the story of Alexander the Great. And here is a man who's known throughout history for his great wisdom and his power and ability. Uh, a man who conquered the, the world, and yet he could not conquer himself. Uh, Alexander had a dear friend by the name of Cletus. And he was one of the generals in his army. And one day on a certain occasion, they're having a big party with all of the uh, top generals and people. And uh, so as they're drinking, and uh, Cletus had evidently drank too much, and he said something that was uh, proved to be an embarrassment to Alexander. And so Alexander, in a fit of rage, grabbed a spear out of the hand of one of the soldiers standing nearby 
threw it at Cletus with the intent of just scaring the daylights out of him, but he missed and hit Cletus and killed Cletus. And, and this was his dear childhood friend all of these many years. And after that, the guilt of it just literally consumed Alexander. And he just for days, he was sick. They said for days, he continued calling the name of his friend over and over and chiding himself as a murderer. And so here is a man that that in one sense could conquer the world, but could not control himself. Now, I realize that we generally don't go to that extreme. You know, we don't murder someone just because, you know, we got angry. But the fact remains, all of us, all of us have it within us to get angry and to do something foolish And so all of us need to learn some lessons regarding anger. Now, the first thing I want you to notice that usually in most sermons that that I've heard, usually this gets overlooked. But in verse number 26, I want you to notice here that this is an imperative, an imperative. He says, be ye angry. I've heard several preachers over the years go to great length trying to explain that away. They say we should never under any circumstance get angry. And it's just mind-boggling the great lengths that they'll go to trying to state their case. And after listening to all of those arguments, the best way I know how to say it is I think, I think they're full of baloney. That's, I don't know how else to say it which reminds me of uh, what was that B.C. cartoon in the paper years ago. And the, uh, the scene was that of a picnic, and there was this big old slab of bologna, you know, there, and had a knife stuck in it. And some of us are old enough to remember the days of chunk bologna, you know, and you just buy a big chunk of it and slice off, you know, a big piece and fry it or eat it, whatever you want to do. But in this cartoon, it showed that big old piece of bologna with a knife stuck in it, and this fly... Uh, was feasting on the bologna. He was just there on the bologna, just eating and eating and eating, gorging himself. And so finally it got time to fly away, and he was struggling with it. So, you know, he crawled all the way up to the very top of the handle and and launched himself from there in an effort to fly and uh, went kapook, fell over. And the moral of the story is don't fly off the handle when you're full of bologna. So I. Uh, uh, <laughs> so if you don't get anything else, <laughs> if you don't, <laughs> now it's amazing. It's amazing what people will remember from a sermon, you know. So the, the next time that you're tempted to fly off the handle, you might want to think about that that fly. The fact is, anyone with, a, with, with any conviction that has an ounce of character is going to get angry at some time or another. Whether they admit it or not, it's going to happen. And when certain things happen, we ought to get angry. Anger itself is not a sin. Now, I say that because the Bible tells us that God hates sin And it says that God is angry with the wicked every day. So God gets angry. And and, and certainly if anger itself was a sin, God wouldn't get angry, you see. 
But God gets angry. But the point is, we need to get angry, but we need to get good and angry. Good and mad. In other words, we ought not to sin. Be ye angry. That part of the statement is an imperative. But then notice the command is, be ye angry. But he says, sin not. So instead of venting our anger in some destructive way, in a sinful way, we are to respond in the best way possible. And that's why he says, notice, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, deal with it before it does damage. I've heard people talk about, you know, that, you know, a man and his wife and they stayed up nearly all night long you know, trying to settle an issue, and, uh, you know, they, and, and they always quote this verse, let not the sun go down on your wrath. And there have been times I felt like saying, well, you already missed that deadline, you know. <laughs> why, why don't you just wait till a decent hour whenever both of you are thinking clearly and settle it then? You know, you might be surprised what a good night's sleep will do uh, whenever you're trying to discuss some issue that you're in disagreement about. The point here is not the location of the sun to the earth. The point is that we're to deal with it before it does damage. Deal with it as quickly as possible. Now, if you notice, and we don't have time to go into great length about this, but it needs to be pointed out. In verse 26, you notice the word anger. There are angry. Be ye angry. Then also notice there's the word wrath. And then whenever you come to verse number 31, you see the word anger there. And, and, and all three of these words come from different Greek words. And, and, and the, the idea, I think, here is that anger comes in, in different forms. There's different kinds of anger. And so tonight I want us to think about how to be good and angry. And we've got to look at it from these three standpoints. First of all, we need to conquer raging anger. Conquer raging anger. This word anger here in verse number 26 means to tremble with anger. Have you ever got so mad that you just begin to shake? I mean, you just couldn't control yourself. You are so angry. Your lip begins to quiver. Your hands begin to shake. And this is the idea here, that kind of raging kind of anger that's going on. And that's why he says, deal with it quickly before the sun goes down, before the damage is done. And the question is, what do we do? How do we deal with that anger. And, and, and as I've said so many times, what we do most of the time, whether it has to do with this or whether it has to do with temptation and sin or overcoming difficulty or uh, a crisis in our life, we generally wait until the crisis hits and then run to the Word of God like it has some magical potion, you know, and we run to it and, uh, and expect it, you know, to just do wonders. But it usually doesn't work that way. We've got to prepare ahead of time. And that's why, as the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In other words, that's something he's been doing. He's been preparing for it. Don't wait till temptation is upon you before you prepare yourself for it. You need to be prepared ahead of time. The same thing is true when it comes to this matter of anger. 
how, how do we get good and angry? How can we get angry but yet not be sinful or not do something that's wrong or destructive? And there's some things that, that we can do, but we've got to prepare for these things ahead of time. I can stand here and, um, and speak from experience because as I look back on my life, and Bev could tell you better than anyone on earth because she knows me better than anyone. But you could go back and find anybody that knew me before I was saved and ask them, what was it about him that, you know, that impressed you? And, uh, you know, <laughs> there wasn't any good sense to it. It'd all be a bad sense. But one of those things that I guarantee you'd be mentioned is a hair trigger angry, raging, mad, and if we didn't have all of the kids here, I'd elaborate, and you know, you've got to be careful what you say. Sometimes they think, well, the preacher did it, you know, I can do it. I did a lot of really dumb things in destroying things and hurting people, all because I was angry, and back then, before I was saved, I didn't know how to deal with it. I, I, you know, I, I just let go. I mean, that, that's the only thing I knew to do. It was building up and building up. And, uh, and, and so when you get real angry, you just fly off the handle and just go into a rage. And so I don't want that to happen to you. I, I want you to do better than what I did. But there are three things tonight, three things that we need to think about. Remember, we're talking about conquering this raging anger. Number one, we need to admit it. And we're not very good at that a lot of times. And, you know, were it not so serious, it would be funny. You know, whenever we hear somebody in their, you know, through their clenched teeth and their face is red and you can just tell that there's the grit in their voice and, and they say, I'm not mad. I'm not angry about anything. And. And boy, it's so very evident. And, you know, they're the only ones on earth that doesn't realize that they've lost control, that they're, they're angry. And, you know, it's embarrassing to admit that, yeah, I've lost control of myself. I'm, I'm angry. We don't want to admit that. But if, listen, if, if we're going to get the victory over, over it, we've got to admit that we have a problem in that area. And there are a lot of people that are just like a time bomb. I mean, you know, they're just waiting to explode. And you, you just, you, you never know when, in, you know, that proverbial straw that broke the camel's back is going to happen. And, you know, somebody say, well, boy, I don't understand. They just blew up all of a sudden. Well, yes and no. They blew up all of a sudden, but they've had a problem beneath the surface for a long, long time, and it's just been building up over and over and over. And, and, and you know, as, as unsaved people especially, we don't understand ourselves. And, and, and I often wondered why I was like I was. Uh, as an unsafe person, uh, I said at times you might attribute it to the fact that, you know, we talk about lead poisoning today, and I chewed lead when I was a kid. You know, we made lead sinkers, and I, I didn't think anything about popping one in my mouth and just chewing on it. I, I thought it had kind of a good taste, so I, you know, I was probably a nutcase, you know, poisoned myself or whatever. Um, but then I think maybe a part of it, and, 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 
and I didn't even realize this until a few years ago. I got to thinking about it. And I can remember my, my dad's cousin was a, was a Marine, and you know how some of the Marines get there, really cocky. My dad was just an old country boy, just, I mean, as tough as cowhide, just, I mean, uh, strong as an ox and so forth. But every time we'd go down to dad's grandpa's, uh, grandma's uh, in a little place called Ashgrove, Missouri, uh, they'd make us kids fight. I, I didn't want to fight. I wanted to be fishing or hunting or something, but I'd have to get out there, and me and Leon's kids would fight, and that was a you know put on a show for them. I didn't want to do it, but I discovered later on, as I think as a result of that, that became my solution for every problem or situation that I was in. You got to you got to get them before they get you. I didn't trust anybody, I, and that was my philosophy. You better get them before they get you. And, and, and a lot of people are going through life with a chip on their shoulder, and then something petty will happen, and all of a sudden they blow up. And, and you know, they don't want to admit that they've got a problem, but I'm telling you, we never conquer the problem until we're honest enough to admit, this is a real problem in my life. I get angry Far too easy. Secondly, we need to ask God for help because this is something that we're not going to uh, solve on our own. This is a battle that you and I cannot win. The arm of the flesh is always too weak. And throughout our entire Christian life, we have to live our life dependent upon the Lord's strength. And that's why, you know, as the, the, the prophet said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And, and so we, 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 don't, we don't go to war with fleshly weapons. We don't depend upon our own strength. And if listen, if we don't take those matters to God in prayer and be specific about it and say, Lord, I have a terrible problem with my temper. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm out of control and, uh, and, and I need your help. I think so many times we underestimate the importance of prayer. I, I mentioned this morning and uh, not for the sake of trying to embarrass anybody, but I mentioned about praying for the services. And you know, a lot of times you just have to stop and wonder, is anybody really sincerely praying, oh dear God, do this and do that and answer my prayers? And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter regardless of what else we do, it's never going to be enough if we neglect prayer. And you can try every plan in the book and read every book on the problem that's ever been written, and you're still not going to solve your anger problem until you go to God in prayer and ask God for help. But then there's another area, another thing that we can do, in addition to admitting that we've got a problem and asking God for help, we need to recognize being accountable to other people. Now, when I say that, I'm not really very big on this matter of accountability groups. If you're in an accountability group, that's your business. Do whatever you want. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. You, you, you see, it's real easy to transfer from being dependent upon one thing to becoming dependent upon another thing. And all of these different groups, whether it's AA or whatever it is, 
You know, I've noticed over the years that all they do is transfer their dependency from one thing to another, you know, from alcohol to the group. You know, and they they tell them things like, you know, look, you're a recovering alcoholic. You'll be an alcoholic the rest of your life, you know, and uh, and you've got to just deal with it and learn how to control it. Well, I want you to know I don't believe that. I believe God can deliver you from alcoholism or, or drugs or whatever it is, and He can give you the victory over that. But all of that being said... The fact remains we need to recognize that we are accountable one to another. And that's where the Lord's church is uh, becomes so very vitally important to us. It's one of the many reasons I think that Christ established the church. Because what we can't do apart from one another, we can accomplish with one another. And as members of the church, we are all accountable one to another. Every member of this church is accountable to the other members. They have a right to expect something out of you and out of me and vice versa. So we are accountable and we need to acknowledge that. We don't have a right to just, you know, get raging mad and do something that's going to not only harm others but end up harming the testimony of the church. So if we're going to walk worthy, we've got to conquer this raging anger. But secondly, we have to confess the repressed anger. You know, a lot of the major blow-ups could be avoided if we just would deal with that seething anger within. And, and as I said a while ago, it's, you know, and, and oftentimes talking about backsliding, it's like a, it's, it's like a, having a slow leak instead of a blowout. That's usually the way that it happens. You know, we don't recognize it until it's too late, you know, and the tire's coming off of the rim or something. But it wasn't a blowout, it was a slow leak that's bringing us down. Well, you kind of reverse that analogy when you think about anger because usually it's pressure that is building up within, you know, and you talk to the person one day and they seem to have everything under control. They're just fine and dandy. And the next day you say one little thing wrong and all of a sudden they go off in a rage. And so we need to confess that repressed anger that's there. We haven't let it go. We haven't punched anybody in the nose. You know, we haven't done anything like that. It hasn't given itself any visible expression, but we have repressed it. We're holding it in. And and so there's three things about that that we need to remember. We need to recognize the source of our angry. Some people are angry, and, and you ask them why, and they would tell you, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I'm so angry. I've had people say that. I don't know why I'm so angry. I'm just angry. I'm just, you know, they're bitter at the world. Now, you and I both know that usually an honest self-examination normally enables us to discover what the problem really is. You know, if we really be honest and examine our hearts in the light of God's Word, we will discover what it is that's been troubling us so. But some people have been harboring this anger in their heart maybe for years, and it's over something that happened years ago. And they've been repressing it. And 
and, and they're, they're living on edge all of this time with a chip on their shoulder, and then they blow up, and, and it's all the result of the fact that they have not recognized the real source of it. It wasn't the fact that, talking about my anger whenever we got married, and uh, one of the things that uh, I, I complained about a lot of things, but boy, the eggs had to be perfectly cooked. I learned that from my dad. You know, he wanted the eggs sunny side up, but he didn't want anything runny. And so, you know, I thought, well, that's why everybody ought to eat their eggs. And uh, now I don't care how you cook them. Just scramble them or whatever. But I gave Bea fits when we first got got married over some little petty something like that. I don't want these eggs. They're not cooked right. And I told you, she married a nutcase. And uh, so anyway, a, a, lot, a lot of times... We think that's the issue, and that's not the issue at all. The issue is whatever it is we've been repressing over all of these years. So we need to recognize the source of our anger, what it really is. Secondly, we have to recognize the sin, the sin of our anger. You know, we can't dismiss it like, oh, well, it's just, uh, it's just a weakness. Or like you hear some people say, well, you know, I'm Irish. What do you expect? All Irish people, you know, have a, have a temper. And so we try to justify our, our anger by some silly explanation like that. And we've got to stop trying to ignore it or to justify it. And we need to confess it immediately for what it is that, Lord, you know, I've lost my temper. I'm out of control. I am angry and confess it with what it is and admit, admit that it's sinful. So we need to consider the source. We need to acknowledge the fact that it is a sin. And then we need to recognize the slavery of anger. Because when we fail to deal with it, what happens is eventually we become a slave to it. If I don't want to deal with it, you know, it, well, it'd be, you know, too embarrassing or for whatever reason we don't want to deal with it. So after a while, we become enslaved to it. Many years ago, I found a little paperback book, and it, uh, this might have been close to 50 years ago, written by Dr. S.I. Uh, McMillan. And uh, the book was entitled, None of These Diseases. None of These Diseases. And it talked about everything from psychosomatic illnesses and things of that nature, how our outlook, how our mind affects our body, and I don't know if that's in print nowadays, but if you find a copy, maybe at a garage sale or something, you, you ought to get that, and it's an interesting read because a lot of times we don't fully understand how our health is affected by our attitude. But I jotted down one little brief paragraph of what he wrote years ago. And I'm going to read that to you now. Here's what he said. The moment I harbor anger toward a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he even controls my thoughts. My resentment produces too many stress hormones in my body, and I become fatigued after only a few hours of work. My anger hounds me wherever I go. I can't escape its tyrannical grasp on my mind. 
And when the waiter in a restaurant serves me porterhouse steak with French fries, crisp salad, and strawberry shortcake smothered with ice cream, it might as well be as stale bread and water. My teeth chew the food and I swallow it, but my anger will not allow me to enjoy it. The man I am angry with may be many miles from my home, but more cruel than any slave driver. When he uh, he whips my thoughts into such a frenzy that my inner spring mattress becomes a rack of torture. Now, that's what I'm talking about, that if we don't deal with... Listen, this is true of every sin. If we don't deal with it, we become enslaved to it. You know, you put it on the back burner and think, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, so-and-so provoked me. It's their fault, you know. They caused me to do what I... In domestic violence, in, in nearly all of the cases, and you hear the explanation, why would you hit your wife? Well, she, she just pushed me to it. She knows how to push my button. She wouldn't stop. She wouldn't stop. Till finally, I couldn't take any more, and I smacked her. In other words, trying to justify his sin by blaming her for it. Now, she might have been in the wrong. But the fact of the matter is, we've got to take full responsibility for what we do. And when we fly into a fit of anger and we lose our temper and we begin to, you know, get bitter and hateful toward other people, regardless of what they've done, we've got a problem. And if the truth is known, there are people, church members, Baptists, that have been harboring anger in their heart for years and years now and some of them, it's gone on so long, they don't even remember what they're mad about. They, they just know they're mad. They're angry. Life isn't fair. And if we're going to get the victory over it, we've got to recognize this as sin and deal with it as such. Now, there's another kind of anger. Remember, we're talking about being good and angry. The third thing we need to do is to channel our righteous anger. And uh, we need to conquer, remember, conquer our raging anger, confess our repressed anger, but we need to channel our righteous anger because we can be angry and righteous at the same time. In other words, our anger can serve some good purpose. I think about mad, mothers against drunk drivers or drunk driving, however it goes. And, you know, that organization, this is not an endorsement of it. I don't know that much about it. But that organization was started as a result of people getting tired of losing the ones they love to drunken drivers. And so they channeled their anger in a direction that will help them in some way hopefully solve the problem. And, and that's what we need to do. We can be good and angry at the same time if we channel our righteous anger. And uh, to do that, first of all, don't attack the person. This is, this, this is the, the negative side, something we don't do. You know, the Apostle Paul said, you know, our, our battle, our fight, our warfare is not with flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. Now, it might be that someone hurt you. 
It might be they hurt you intentionally. It might be that they hurt you intentionally over and over and over again. But you've got to understand that they are not the real enemy. The real enemy is the one that is pulling the strings, the one manipulating them. The Bible speaks about those being taken captive by the devil at his will, and Satan is using them. When we attack the person instead of the problem, we just create a a bigger problem. Somebody says, you know, well, you might as well just bury the axe. Well, you know, bury the axe, you know, and forget it and go on. Well, the the whole thing is some people, you know, that... uh, might use a broad axe in trying to do that and end up hurting somebody. And some people that would never go to that extent, you know, because they're angry, they wouldn't hit someone, actually. They wouldn't do anything, you know, that would uh, jeopardize their welfare and have them arrested and put in jail. So what they do, they express their anger by giving people the cold shoulder. Just hold them at arm's length. I'm not going to let them get close to me. I'll never let them get close enough to me so they can hurt me or disappoint me. You know, like that's all right. And and, and there again, regardless of how you look at it, you're actually attacking that person. It's neglect. I'll never forget many years ago that uh, this was long before I ever moved here. I I was, uh, I think, in Cincinnati pastoring there, and I read an article about uh, a nursing home in Texas City. And they had been prosecuted as a result of some of the elderly citizens there dying as a result of neglect. They had been neglected to death. And, you know, we, we get it in our mind, well, I, you know, I didn't put any poison in their drink or I didn't slit their throat or I didn't shoot them between the eyes with a forty-four. So it's not my fault what happens to them. But sometimes we neglect people to death in the sense that we will not allow ourselves to get close to them. And and it happens in churches all the time. Somebody says, well, you know, I joined the church a year ago and I I don't know anybody there. And and I've got news for you. In some churches, if you're not a part of the family or the little clique, you know, or the inner circle, you never will get to know anybody. And that's the way they like it. And that's the way they're going to keep it, us four and no more. You know, they they don't really care whether you ever are accepted as a part of the church or not. Well, just as churches are guilty of that, a lot of times people have that same attitude and they launch their attack either through neglect, either through neglect or an outright attack against the other person. Now, the positive side is although we don't attack the other person, we do address the problem, don't we? Jesus did. He cast the money lenders out of the temple, didn't he? I mean, he dealt with the problem. He, you know, he didn't say, oh, well, you know, those poor things, they probably didn't have any good example growing up, you know, and because of their childhood, you know, they're, they're twisted in their mind. And, uh, what, you know, uh, you, you just got to overlook this. You know, we would have thought of that being really Christ-like, you know, him being so gentle and so loving and that just give him a pass. No, no, no sense in making a big deal out of this. But there are some issues that, that we're obligated to make a big deal out of. There are times when we've got to deal with the problem 
And, and that's what being good and angry is all about, that we take positive steps. We don't let ourselves get out of control, but we take positive steps in working for a solution to the problem. I, I think about Nehemiah, and, and what a story that is. But you get over to the very last chapter of Nehemiah, and some of the people there, now keep in mind, this is after all God had done for them and how God had blessed them so greatly, and they built the walls back. In spite of the opposition, they've accomplished all of these great things, and they're now in a position where God can bless them again. And, and all of a sudden, a bunch of the men started intermarrying with the heathen round about them. And this was a devastating blow to the welfare of a nation. This is not just a matter of personal preference any longer. The welfare of the nation is at stake. And here this gentle soul, Nehemiah, the man who served as their governor without any pay, no remuneration, a man who didn't seek office, a man who was humble, he said, I cursed them and I plucked their beards out. Now he could have said... Oh, well, you know, they've got to answer to God for that. And he could have just let it go. But this was a matter of such great urgency and national security that something had to be done. And that's one of the things that worry me about our nation because we're sitting on a powder keg and uh, and we have an obligation And one of these days, you know, as I think it was Lincoln that made the statement about our responsibility to defend the Constitution from those that would destroy it. And boy, when we think about the situation that we're in today and uh, what might happen, uh, it's, it's not a pretty picture. But at some point in time, action has to be taken. Now... In our own lives, regardless of whether it's, a, whether it's a situation where you work, whether it's a problem within the church, and by the way, there are going to be problems arise from within the church. No church is perfect. No family is perfect. I hear people say, well, you know, I'm like I am because I came from a dysfunctional family. Well, so did all of us. We all came from dysfunctional families. No family is perfect. No church is perfect. And, and, and the one thing that every church desperately needs is a, is a peacekeeper. Somebody that even though when they've been done wrong, they'll not let their anger get the best of them. They, they'll analyze the situation and go to God in prayer and find the solution and work for the victory. And the same thing the same thing's true in marriages. Marriages, two imperfect people committed one to another for a lifetime. Both of them are imperfect. I, I tell you, a lot of people got the idea. Bev and I just celebrated our 55th anniversary, and people think, you know, it must be so wonderful to be married to such a wonderful woman or a wonderful man or whatever the case is, that you all just get along and never have any problems that would ever lead to divorce or anything like that. Don't kid yourself. That Listen, there's no marriage that survives 
that that you know that does so without a lot of work and a lot of effort. It doesn't just happen. And there's no church that maintains peace and order by accident. It happens as a result of members that are willing to work through their problems instead of losing control and blowing up and hurting a lot of people. So when our anger is justified, then we need to be good and mad and use our energy combating the, the evil and solving the problem and working for victory. Look, that's what walking worthy is all about. That's what it means to walk in a manner that is becoming of a Christian. That's all a part of it. And that we're to be angry, but what? But sin not. It's an imperative. There are times that we're obligated to be angry, but we're never, never, ever given a license to sin, regardless of how bad the situation is. So I I hope tonight, and there may be someone here that for years and years now, you've been carrying this bitterness or anger around uh, something that happened years and years ago. And look, this time you let go of that. You can't change it. There's nothing you can do about what has already happened in the past. You need to get past the past and forget that and leave that with the Lord. And instead of being angry about that, use your energy in, in doing things that are that are positive and helpful in the Lord's work. So I just pray that some little tidbit of what's been said tonight will stick and be helpful and that all of us will be prepared ahead of time for that moment when the pressure is on and something happens and we're at the point of almost losing control. Prepare for it now, and you won't have to deal with it later. Let's all stand. Father, forgive us of the many times that we make such fools out of ourselves by losing control and getting angry and bitter and hateful toward one another. And Lord, we even know that there are those that are bitter toward you because life hasn't turned out as, as they think that it should and I just pray you help each and every one of us to realize what great harm can come as a result of not controlling our anger. So help us to be good and angry at the same time by using that, that anger to, to empower us and to motivate us to do those things that, that are pleasing in your sight. And help us, Heavenly Father, regardless of regardless of the odds seeming stacked against us and regardless of the difficulty that we face, help us to to never give up on what we know is right. But whether it's a marriage or a church or whatever it is, help us, Lord, to have the wisdom and the patience and the strength to work through those difficulties that we might gain the victory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and sing tonight... God is speaking to your heart about anything whatsoever. Would you come?